Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. Give me ears, eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, today I really am praying for each one of us to really, really pay attention um, to this message. It's something that's been on my heart for quite a while. Um, as I just observe the body of Messiah in general and the body of Messiah here in our country, um, books I've been reading also really adding to the burden of my heart for each and every one of you. And I don't say that lightly. It's not trite. Um, There is a burden on my heart for each one of you. And there's a burden on my heart for the people of the kingdom of God here in our country. The title of, we're starting a new series entitled, Growing as Talmudim. Say Talmudim. To be a Talmud or a Talmudim of Yeshua, it is a lifelong process. Unfortunately, within the body of Messiah, the new birth experience has been emphasized at the expense of the rest of the spiritual process which is becoming a Talmud or a Talmidah, if you're a female, Talmud if you're a man, a Talmidah if you're a female, which is the Hebrew word for disciple. God has called you and I to become Talmudim. Think about this. There's no doubt in any of our minds that when a child is born and takes its first full breath in the new world, that it's experiencing for the first time, it's an experience like no other, isn't it? For those of us who have been there at the birth of our children, what do you say but, wow, it's awesome. But as parents know so well, Birth is the very beginning of a lifelong journey for this newborn child. It's the very, very, very beginning. So many things must be taught and experienced by the infant in the months and years ahead. The truth is, life is quite an endeavor, isn't it? Filled with so many stages, a lifetime of learning and seasons of growth. That's just the truth. From the cradle to the grave, it is a long journey filled with many, many things. The same could be said for the spiritual new birth that a person coming out of darkness into the kingdom of God experiences. The born anew experience is the equivalent of the first breath that the newborn takes. Yet for so many, the emphasis is always on that first experience. You see, it's not the end when we become born anew by the Spirit of God, but it is the very beginning 
of a lifelong journey of faith. This too will be filled with many stages, a lifetime of learning and seasons of growth. That is, if we choose to continue to follow the plan that God has for us as Talmudim, which is a plan to grow while joining ourselves to God's family and God's kingdom. In rabbinical times, the teacher of the law was called the Talmud rabbi, and his pupils were known as Talmudim, or, for example, or apprentices is another way to think of it. Yet in another sense, all Israel were Talmudim, apprenticed to the Torah of God, right? The Jewish Talmud, by the way, gets its name from this root, and the root is Lamed, and it means to learn. You see, a Talmudim is not merely a listener, although careful listening should not be undervalued. A Talmud or a disciple is a learner who puts what is learned into practice. Do you hear that? That puts what is learned into practice. A disciple is someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits himself to the discipline or the teaching of that leader or way. And we know our leader, right? is Yeshua. In the Bible, the term disciple is found almost exclusively in the Besorot, in the Gospels, and in the book of Acts. The only exceptions are being in Isaiah, where the same Hebrew word is translated learned and taught, respectively. Yet clearly, wherever there is a teacher and those taught, the idea of discipleship is present. Because that's the relationship, a teacher and a learner, correct? Yeshua was the teacher, the master teacher. His Talmudim were the learners. And they did what he did. They emulated him. Think about we, when we surrendered to God's hand and will. When we came into the kingdom of God, we surrendered to God's way and to his will. We are in a posture that accepts intentional spiritual change. You and I need to change. We need to change. Just like a a child needs to change, no? Don't you expect change out of an infant? You better see change. You You pray to see change, both physical, right? Because don't we get concerned, right, if we don't see a child developing like they should? And rightly so. But we also get concerned if we see a child not developing, right, on an emotional level or a spiritual level. There's change that takes place, and that change is a sign of growth. Well, the same is said as a Talmudim of the Messiah. There needs to be change. This is the posture of a Talmud, one who learns and changes. God opposes the proud but exalts the humble. When we are submissive to the Lord, he involves us in a work that is much greater than any we could accomplish on our own. Amen? Our surrender opens up the door to opportunities. Surrender. Say surrender. It's a word that we don't use a lot in relationship to the kingdom of God. Surrender to him and to his ways.
In Philippians chapter 2, it says, So then, my dear friends, just have you just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good pleasure. In other words, God gives us the ability to will and to do. Because sometimes our will, we don't want to do what God wants us to do, right? But God gives us the power to will, to want to, and to do. And that's called grace. Notice that it doesn't say to work out or to work on your salvation. It doesn't say work for your salvation, does it? No. It says we are to work out our salvation, and that process of working out our salvation is the process of being a Talmudim of Yeshua. I want us to make a shift in our thinking. People, we call ourselves believers We call ourselves Messianic Jews, but in reality, what we need to be is we are Talmudim of the Messiah Yeshua. Ever learning, ever growing. Friends, I don't know at all. Matter of fact, the closer I get to God, the more I realize how little I know. This is what it means to become a Talmudim, committing to a continual process that leads to spiritual maturity. This is the calling of every believer, so it's not enough to be born anew spiritually. We must progress to maturity. That is what God is leading us and calling us to. It is awesome that you prayed a prayer of salvation. Matter of fact, if you haven't done that, we're going to give you an opportunity today that you can invite Yeshua to be the Lord of your life. You can follow him. And that's an awesome thing. It's a great first step. It's no, it's no less fantastical like the newborn baby taking the first breath. It's awesome. But it is the very, very, very beginning of a lifelong journey of following the Messiah and progressing to maturity. One man said that this is the journey of faith. We grow as we walk. We walk by opening the scriptures, engaging in prayer, and focusing on spiritual disciplines. The concept of discipleship, while familiar to most believers, really requires a shift in our thinking and actions as it pertains to faith. The world is not changed by people being born anew only. The newborn must grow into manhood and so must the Talmudim grow to maturity by reproducing his or herself over and over along the way. Discipleship, one man said, is not just a solo effort. Though it takes personal action and engagement in spiritual disciplines, listen to me, discipleship is a group sport best done in community. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Say discipleship. Say Talmudim. We need to shift our thinking from being people who believe in God to people who are ardent followers 
and diligent learners of the Messiah. So I'm going to give you, over the next two weeks, this is part one, we're going to give you 12 characteristics of a Talmudim. Today I'm going to give you six, and I want you to listen to these. Take notes. The first thing is that a Talmud is a learner. Yeshua said to the first Talmudim, come and follow me. Do you hear that? In Matthew Yahu chapter 4, it says this, And walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Shimon, who is called Kepha, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he says to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Messiah's first call to the Talmud was to follow him. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, Yaakov, the son of Zebedee, and Yochanan, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately, say immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Following Yeshua in his way is what a Talmudim does. We follow. This requires much learning and quite a bit of unlearning of old ways. In Acts 2.42, look what it says. The Talmudim, this is what they did. They devoted themselves to the Shaliachim, or the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Here we learn that God doesn't do it for us, does it? Does God do it for us? No, they devoted themselves. I want to tell you, friends, if God and his kingdom is not your top priority in your life, over everything, you need to have a little chat with with God. You need to have a chat with him. Because being a Talmudim is just that. God doesn't do it for us. It's an act of our will. I say, God, I don't know how many years ago now, it's almost 30 years ago now that I chose to abandon my old way of life and to follow Yeshua, the Messiah. Friends, I left everything and everyone. Everyone. Everything to follow God. My priority, which was then myself and my career and my stuff, became a non-existent thing for the call of God and to follow the Mashiach. But I chose to do it. I wanted to do it. When I left the kingdom of darkness, I said, God, I am all in. For your purposes. A Talmudim must break ties with the world. And that doesn't mean we don't interact with the world. Of course we do. But we break ties in that the world doesn't hold us any longer. Our heart is held firmly in the hands of God. We choose to fellowship. We choose to break bread. We choose to pray. A Talmudim chooses to be devoted to these principles. 
This also tells us that a Talmud is teachable, right? So if you are a learner, that means you must be teachable, right? And you need to be willing to learn from someone else. Yochanan 8 says this, So Yeshua said to the Judeans who had trusted him, Listen, if, that's a big word, isn't it? If, right? If you go to work this week, you will be paid, right? If you go to work. Now, what happens if you don't go to work? Are they going to come and say, Hey, Miles, I see you weren't here all week, but listen, I love you so much. As an employee, I'm going to pay you. Does that happen? (laughs) Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. But the word says, if you obey what I say, then you are really my Talmudim. Just pause on that for a second. If. That's true for me, and it's true for you. If you obey what I say, then you are my Talmudim. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We love that that last part of the verse, don't we? Oh, I know the truth, and the truth will set me free, and we love that. God set me free. Yeshua set me free. But we don't focus on if we obey what he says. If we obey what he says, then we are his Talmudim. And Talmudim have every right and have access to the truth and don't have to live in bondage and can live in freedom. Amen? All right. Learning and obedience are closely connected. It is obedience to the spiritual truths that we learn That is the pathway to spiritual maturity. In 2 Timothy, it says that all scripture, all of it, hold up your Bible or your iPhone, whatever you got it on, all scripture is breathed out by God. And all scripture is profitable for teaching. That means I have to be a learner, right? It's profitable for teaching, for reproof. That means correction. That means I have to be open to be corrected. That means sometimes I'm wrong. So that means I have to be a learner. It means I have to be open to correction. For training in righteousness. We live in an unrighteous world. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Okay, this requires you and I to be in a learning mode. We must be willing to be trained, like I said. Have you ever tried to, bear with me, have you ever been try to train someone who didn't want to be trained? Anyone? Have you ever tried to train someone who didn't want to be trained? And as you're going to train them, they say stuff like, no, 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 I know, 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 no, no, I know how to do it. And you're saying to yourself, how in the world could you know how to do it when I haven't even given you one instruction? You may know how to do something, but you may not know how to do it how I want you to do it. Not everyone is trainable. Do you hear me? And I'd say this, don't be that person. (laughs) 
when it comes to the kingdom of God. You know what it is? The, the kingdom of God has its fair share of know-it-alls. You know those? And I'll tell you why people think they know it all. Because they're connected to the internet. And we all know that that internet is chock full of every great idea, spiritually speaking. Not so much. Matter of fact, when we look on the internet, half of the times we rarely vet the people that tell us things. My son's preparing to go to graduate school. And he's not just looking at schools. He's looking at the professors who are heads of the department and seeing their credentials and wanting to find out if those people are going to be the people that he wants to work under for the discipline that he's looking to do. And he's checking them out. And the materials they wrote and the uh, textbooks they wrote and the articles they wrote for publication, so on and so forth. But yet, a believer will go on the internet and see something and they'll hook onto it. Friends, you've got to be careful. And we'll get into why in a second. Lastly, on this point, a Talmud is not above his teacher, right? We're not going to be better than Yeshua. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And a good litmus test to see where you're at in the process is how much like Yeshua are you? How much like him are you? Listen, guys, I'm here to make you happy, not sad, but just to get you to think. How much like Yeshua are you? When I think of that thought, I say, Michael, we got some things to work on. Because it is our goal as Talmudim to be like Yeshua. Amen? The second thing, I want you to wait on this picture that's coming. Randy, look at me. There's a picture coming. Don't put it up yet. There's one before that, isn't there? Oh, my wife did not update my PowerPoint. Well, I'll have to describe it to you. The second point is that Talmud grows with the end goal of maturity, right? Except for this guy, which we don't have up there. But you ever see The Curious Life of Benjamin Buttons? And he was born an old man, an infant, an old man. It was a weird movie, very bizarre. And as his life progresses, he gets younger and younger and younger and younger. He goes from an old man, this big, I had the picture, it's a freaky picture. Probably better off I didn't have it. An old man this big, okay, and then as he goes through his life and gets technically older and older, he gets physically younger and younger to the point where he dies as an infant. Very bizarre. But the point is that no one starts out fully mature like that. In real life, we grow from infancy to adulthood, right? From infancy to maturity. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, or you can just look up here. This is an important scripture. Bottom line, we're going to do this in two parts. I don't know how much I'm going to get to today. 
because I want you to really get this. Verse 11 says, he himself, this is Yeshua. Say Yeshua, is speaking. He himself gave some to be emissaries, some to be prophets, some to be proclaimers of the good news, and some to be shepherds and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the Kedoshim. Say, I'm a Kedoshim. To equip the Kedoshim for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Messiah. This will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature adulthood to the measure of the stature of Messiah's fullness. In other words, until we are mature like Yeshua was. So I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that me and you are still in process. Amen? We're still in process. We've not arrived. As a result, we are no longer to be like children. In other words, he he doesn't just want us to experience that born anew experience, like little children. No, no longer like children, tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching on the interweb, it says this, it says that. Ooh, today on this, today on that. Today I think those Messianic Jews are awesome. Tomorrow I think they're bananas. By the trickery of men with cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all ways into Messiah. Right? That's the goal, to grow up into always, into Messiah. Um, David Ravenhill wrote a book years ago. Google it, get it if you're a reader. It says, this was the title of the book, For God's Sake, Grow Up. And this was speaking to the body of Messiah. For God's sake, grow up. We are to grow up in always into Messiah who is the head. From him, the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament. The proper working of each individual part, that's you and me, produces the body's growth for building itself up in love. So, I tell you this, indeed, I insist on it in the Lord. Shaul is saying this is not optional. This is what a Talmudim is. Not someone who just prayed a prayer. Not someone who just believes in Yeshua because the demons believe. Not someone who just listens once a week to a message. No. People who are purposely choosing to grow into the maturity of the Messiah. And every time I read my Bible, I'm saying, God, I see tons of areas where I need to grow. He says, indeed, I insist on it in the Lord. Walk no longer as the pagans do, stumbling around in the futility of their thinking. Good ideas. All the things that worldly people think about and practice. No, follow the Lord and his ways. Be intentional to grow. 
We see many things in this passage to glean from, but the process of being equipped and serving continues until we reach the stature of Messiah's fullness. That's it. Because we don't think like that, if we're honest. We just call ourselves a believer, a Messianic Jew. Some people call themselves Christians, whatever. But they don't give any thought to what they really are called to be, which is a Talmudim. A Talmudim who leaves everything to follow the master, whose top priority is Yeshua, his kingdom, his ways, his wishes, his wants. And I know what that sounds like to the unbelieving heart. That sounds like, my gosh, who would sign up for that? Friends, that's how I thought before I gave my life to Yeshua. My, my family members would tell me, and I would say, my gosh, that sounds oppressive. That I'm going to give my whole life and everything I am to, to Yeshua? Do I want to do that? What am I going to do? Stay in my room and pray? I mean, I, I, I was, at that time, a young man. I have a life to live. I didn't see it. But one day, after many, many years of pursuing me, the Spirit of God touched my heart, and I decided that, hey, I've been doing it my way for too long, and it's not working. I'm going to give my life over to him. And once I did that, all those things that I thought were oppressive, I mean, I'm going to follow him, and that's all I'm going to do is I'm going to keep him first and make sure his will is done and his ways are done. That which seemed unappealing to me all of a sudden seemed glorious. Why? Because my address was changed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I had a change of address. Instantly, God moved me to a heavenly zip code. And my thinking changed. My heart's desire changed. And unfortunately, sometimes when we think that God is somehow looking to oppress us, I mean, Evan mentioned it even in the title, like, God wants my money. God wants my service. God wants my everything. My gosh, who could do that? That is how the kingdom of darkness thinks. The enlightened mind says, God, you want my money? Take it. God, you want my heart? Have it. God, you want everything about me? I'm yours. Why? Because my address has been changed. I didn't do it. God moved me. Listen to this. Someone wrote this, not me. So don't get mad at me. Say, I love you, Rabbi. Right back at you. And I do love you. And I want to see you succeed in life. Listen, what I would tell my kids is what I would tell you. If you purpose in your heart to give everything that you are to Yeshua, keep him first in everything, I could guarantee you that your life is going to be blessed beyond measure. Now, what that blessing looked like doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire or anything like that, but you will be blessed beyond measure if you do that. That I know from the the very tips 
of my toes to the top of my head that I know that that's true. But someone said this, and he wrote this. He said, for the leader of the congregation... He believes that the congregation primarily exists to fulfill the great commission of Yeshua found in Matthew 28. But for the average person in a congregation, they believe that the congregation exists to meet his or her needs and the needs of their family. Think of the, the difference in thinking is one, being a Talmud, And one thinking a little carnally. Now I'm going to say this up front. It doesn't mean that God will not bless us. Indeed he will. But why does this congregation primarily exist? It exists to fulfill the great commission of the Messiah. He goes on to say that even though most people coming to a congregation for the first time cannot articulate this verse, they are probably thinking something similar to what Yaakov and Yochanan, James and John, said to Yeshua. And this is the verse. Then Yaakov and Yochanan, the sons of Zebedee, came to Yeshua and they said, Teacher, Rabbi, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. They thought that Yeshua was a cosmic bellhop. Ding, 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 ding. Get on it, Yeshua. Get on it, God. I need something done. We want you, God, to do whatever I ask. Friends, not only does that seem unrealistic, that seems irreverent. Each week, people show up, he goes on to say, telling the congregation many times, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. A mature Talmud says to Yeshua, I will do whatever you ask. I will do whatever you ask. Where are you at today? Are you at to the place where, Yeshua, I will do whatever. Hear the word whatever. Whatever you ask. I think we're going to get one more in. Just one more. Because listen to me. I see it in our society. We're raising up believers who are shallow. Of course not you guys. But we're raising up believers that are shallow. Friends, think about the believers in Yeshua's day. First century believers were being impaled on sticks, trees, and used to light Nero's court. Friends, that is, of course, grotesque to think about. But think about the mentality that would follow Yeshua 
to that end. Come on, be honest. We get a cold and we think Yeshua has abandoned us. Come. Where are you? Oh, I did Kleenex. God, please, please. I can't take it another day. These kids. I mean, these people said, if that's what you're going to do, do it. I'm going to serve him until my last dying breath. To the nominal believer, that seems extreme. But can I tell you, that's normative for a Talmudim. Not loving their life unto death. Friends, isn't it a great thing that we don't have to worry about dying for our faith here in this hour? Say Baruch Hashem, because that is awesome. I'm not looking to die early, trust me. I'm not signing up, just like Yeshua. Yeshua, you know, said, Lord, if it could pass, I'll take a pass. But when push comes to shove, what did he say? Not my will, yours be done. That's what a Talmud does, is willing, knows what the cost is, knows what he signed up for. Hope for the best, be prepared for the worst, right? Let me give you one more. A Talmud has a burden to bear. I know, I know, I know. You were told possibly, come to Yeshua, and he's going to make everything better. Come to be Yeshua, and all your woes will be washed away. Come to Yeshua, and you're going to have abundance of everything your little heart desires, every wish will be granted. You'll have abundance of possessions and peace and joy, and right? All those things. That's not what the word promises. And if you came to faith under that type of gospel, it's a false gospel. Luke 14, 27 says, whoever does not carry his own execution stake, which is to mean his unique burden and sacrifice, and come after me, cannot, say cannot, cannot be my Talmud. Now, be honest with the rabbi. Is life easy? Come on, someone tell me. Rabbi, since I came to faith... It's been smooth sailing. No one? Now listen, don't get me wrong. I know it's been good. Because he's been with us. Yeah, yeah. And he makes every hard thing better and bearable. He makes every struggle a little bit easier to hang on to and go through. Absolutely. But it's not all roses, is it? This is not optional to take up our burden and follow him. It's not optional. It's a must. A Talmud must and will carry his own burden and hardships through his own personal sacrifice and service to God. It might not be easy, but I'll tell you what, it is absolutely worth it. Because let me give you another clue. 
Life without Yeshua is harder. Yeah, is harder. Hasatan is a cruel taskmaster. Friends, look at our society. How many of our young people are getting caught up into drug abuse? Where does that come from? The pit of hell. The servants of hell. He wants to enslave and, in, and put into bondage. Doesn't from the, come from the kingdom of God. Yeshua told his Talmudim, if anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself. Take up his execution stake and keep following me for whoever wants to save his own life will destroy it. You'll think you're saving it, but you will destroy your own life. But whoever destroys his life for my sake will find it. So let's try this. Repeat after me. Self? No. Self? No. No, you cannot have it your way in my life. Self, you cannot have it your way. It will be Yeshua's way in my life. Say that. It will be Yeshua's way in my life. Listen, guys, if you take one thing out of this whole sermon, if you could do it Yeshua's way in your life, your life is going to wind up where you want it to be. At this point, I want to give you an opportunity. Perhaps you're sitting in this room. Oh, you know about Yeshua. You even believe in him on some level. You believe he's the son of God, the Messiah. God come to earth. You believe all that. But you haven't said, yes, Yeshua, I will give you and surrender to you my life and follow you all my days and do what you want me to do over what I want to do. If you've never said that and made that commitment to him, you can do it right now. And if you're thinking, Rabbi, that's just a little too much, I want to guarantee you this, that that which seems too much, once you do it, you'll say this. This is what I said. Why didn't I do it sooner? What in the world was I doing all those years hanging on to coal when God was offering me gold. Why was I holding on to that coal like it was so valuable when God was offering me gold? If you're in this room and you've never done that, surrendered your life to Yeshua, pray after me, Lord Yeshua, I confess to you that I have sinned and I am unworthy in my own strength to come into your kingdom. I repent of my ways, of my sin, of doing things my own way. And Yeshua, I choose today to give you my heart, my soul, my strength, and my entire being. I choose to follow your ways and to live for you all the days of my life. Amen. If you pray that and meant it, your life will be changed for the better.
Remember I said earlier that some people came to faith on the pretense that Yeshua was just going to make everything better, right? Listen to this verse. We're almost done. Then we can go up and have a cup of joe together and a bagel. Right? That's good. Again, this message isn't to make you sad. (laughs) It's to get you to think. Because I'll tell you what, I would rather think now and consider my ways now than to stand before the king of glory one day and him say, what was up with that life? What was up with that life, Michael? You did it your way. You did what you wanted to do, went where you wanted to go. I don't want to hear that. I only want to hear one phrase. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter in to the joy of the Lord. That's all I want to hear. Well done. And so do you. And look what it says here in Matthew Yahoo 7. It says, enter through the narrow gate. See, narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter it. But small is the gate and narrow and difficult. See, narrow and difficult. Narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few, say few, who find it. To me, that sobers me. When I read that verse, friends, that, that, that verse doesn't scare me. That verse doesn't depress me. That verse motivates me. Because have you ever been in a narrow space? I remember one time in the past couple of years working on my car. And I had to get the car up on jacks, and I was under the car, and my, I'm, I'm like this, under the car. And I hated it. You want to know why? Because I'm relying on those jacks to keep the 3,500-pound car off my body. And I realized as I'm under their car, totally committed to it, that if that jack begins to sink down, I'm in trouble. (laughs) I'm in big trouble. But it was narrow. And it was uncomfortable, and I didn't like it. To be honest with you, I could not wait to get out into that broad space, right? We're uncomfortable in narrow spaces. Nevertheless, Yeshua said, narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way. Few. Few are going to be willing to do it. Friends, my prayer is that every single one of you in this room are a part of that few. Yeah, he didn't promise us the easy way. The easy way is the way the world's going. 
I pray and I pray that you're willing to go the narrow way. And this makes sense when you think of all the spiritual opposition that is against us. With one goal in mind. This is the one goal that Hasatan has in mind. Guys, give me attention here. With one goal in mind is to derail our relationship with God. That's what Hasatan wants to do. Derail your relationship with God. Get you distracted. Get you focused on other things more than God. Friends, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. These spiritual forces are always trying to get us to give up, to quit, or at least diminish our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Friends, you have to fight with every ounce of your being not to let that happen. Friends, I can tell you this. I pray hours a day. I fast days and days each and every week. I worship the Lord regularly. And I have struggles. Yeah, because those forces of hell don't want people committed to Yeshua. And I can only imagine, when I think of people who don't pray, who don't fast, who don't have regular times with the Lord, I'm saying, my gosh, Lord, how in the world can these people resist? And you know what the answer is? Many don't. I'm going to close with this. It's a statistic, and I know we kind of hate statistics, don't we, a little bit? But Barna recently concluded after 15 years of polling and looking at the American body of Messiah, and this, what, this is his conclusion, that two-thirds of the congregations in the U.S. of A are either stagnant or in spiritual decline. Two-thirds. Why is that? I think it's because we have emphasized the new birth only. And we haven't emphasized the cost that it means to follow Yeshua. And that it requires total dedication, total devotion. It requires me to abandon myself to him. Because how could God use a life to change the world that's not totally committed to him? Think about it. He can't. And so... The scripture says he searches to and fro the whole earth, right? He's looking worldwide for a heart that is wholly devoted to him. And this verse here, it says there's few, there's few who, who says, God, I'm going to follow that very narrow and difficult way. Friends, with all my heart and with all my being, I pray and I pray that you and your family are those that are saying, yes, God, I will follow you through that narrow road, even though it's arduous and difficult, God, I'm saying yes to you because I know that your way is the way to everlasting life. And friends, it's not only life in the, in the, in the world to come. It's life here.
Yes, there will be difficulties. Yes, there will be challenges. Yes, you'll be uncomfortable. But he will be with us. And when he's with us, there is no better feeling in the world to have the God of the universe stand by your side. Think about these things over the next week. Say, God, I am going to be an ardent follower of you. No matter what else I do in this world, that particular goal is going to be first and foremost. Amen. Stand to your feet. I only got through three, but that's not so bad. Maybe it'll be a three-part message. Just pray after me. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Let's just take two minutes and do a little business with God. Say, God, I heard the message today. I was challenged by the message today. But God, I want to surrender to those truths today. Lord Yeshua, I say yes to you. I say yes, I will follow. Lord, I know it will be difficult. Lord, I know it will be challenging. But God, I know it's the best thing for me. Lord, today, I choose to be your Talmud. I choose to follow you. I choose to do it the right way and to put you first in my life and in my family. Amen. That's a mindset. Keep that mindset. Friends, I know what you're thinking. Boy, that sounds right. It's not radical. It's normal. Because we've been so conditioned to think that that's... Friends, they thought Yeshua was a radical. (laughs) But he wasn't. He was the only sensible one in Jerusalem. Teaching people the way of the Lord. There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. And then there's the way of the Lord. It is the right way. And you will thrive when you follow it. Father, I thank you for your people, God. Father, I pray that you would bless them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, I pray that the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard, Lord, these precious ones, will guard their heart and their mind in Messiah. Father, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they ask or think as they commit to you, God, that you would show them your favor and your grace. And we ask it, Bashem Yeshua, God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. There's coffee, bagels, cake, upstairs. At least stop in and grab something. So, blessings. Shabbat shalom.